Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. XFL Week 4, final thoughts for YouTube and the podcast version. Hopefully you all are having a great week thus far. I'm excited to get into this video and there's a lot of news. So I record this Thursday morning early around 5.30 a.m. East Coast time. We're waiting on the injury reports from Friday. We already have the game statuses for the Saturday games, players who are probable, questionable, doubtful, out, but we don't have that for the Sunday games. So some things can maybe get a little bit wonky and I'll try and provide some if-then statements for if Matt Jones, who has not yet practiced for yet another week, does not practice on Friday and is deemed doubtful or out, well then obviously... Christian Michael is a much better play. Things like that, right? So we'll get through it. I appreciate you all being here, and I thank you. And if you do enjoy this content, please do hit the subscribe button on the podcast versions. We've had a lot of people subscribing and rating the podcast. Again, I do a weekly $20 giveaway via PayPal and or Venmo. Just leave a way for me to contact you in your five-star rate and review. And then also, that gets you an extra entry. Also, just subscribing, hitting the notification bell on YouTube. And also, finally, if you just subscribe on any of the platforms, I now have a system set up to see who is all subscribing where. And I can pull that and spin a little bit of a wheel. So just, I appreciate that. It'll just go based on the email that you um, provide via your Spotify account or your um, Apple iTunes, whatever it might be. So thank you. Appreciate you doing all that. That is for a $20 weekly giveaway. I have Patreon exclusive content. The tiers, by the time you're watching this, they're probably already going to be published for XFL week four. And I believe I'm going to be doing rankings this week. So tiers are just sort of like a cash game tiers, but rankings I'm going to provide both for cash and now for GPPs. If I think this player is an A, a B, a C, or just not even on the rankings means not in play for me in GBPs and or cash, give you a clearer insight into where I'm going. That is available over on Patreon, as well as some more podcast episodes for recaps and the closing thoughts on Saturday morning that discusses the latest injuries, ownership, and things like that. So before we get into it, we have a brand new sponsor for the show, and it's somebody who I've been trying to get in touch with and work with because it's a refreshing format. It's superdraft.io. Superdraft is a new way. They're changing the way that you play DFS based on just not having salary caps. It's a multiplier format and they don't have XFL, but they're also going to be sponsoring the NBA video today. So you can check out their multipliers there. I'm going to have them on screen and we're going to reference them compared to fantasy draft and compared to DraftKings. So superdraft.io, the biggest thing whenever somebody starts to be a new partner is I like to check out just the user face and the actual gameplay of the site. And one and two, those things checked off for me as being fun and appealing and user friendly. And then two, seeing it that they actually care about just sort of the community that I have instead of just trying to get me to rope a dope people onto their site. Are they going to give any type of promotions? And thankfully that they are. So it's usually somewhere where I will sign a deal with them. And, and the big thing was $10 free to, upon deposit. So if you're somebody who only wants to try out the site with 10 bucks. They're going to give you $10 free upon deposit. If you use the promo code SAL, S-A-L, there will be a link down below in the description that will redirect you to Twitter because I can't post links to fantasy sites anymore in the description. Otherwise you get banned, but there'll be a link down below to Twitter where you can redirect over to Superdraft. Same thing for the podcast version. Or if you just want to go to superdraft.io, use the promo code SAL, you get $10 of free play. So over my shoulder, you see the updated injury reports as of Thursday a.m., and and then we'll get into those as we go through, but then also the Vegas odds if you are indeed interested. But let's start this thing off with the quarterbacks. And the quarterbacks, I'm trying to filter down my player pool. I believe we had five on here the other day. Josh Johnson is somebody that I have since taken off. 
the big news since last time we talked was that Nelson Spruce is going to be out. And there's a big reason why. I mean, that's a huge reason why that I don't want to play Josh Johnson as much and a couple other reasons as well. So no Nelson Spruce. You've seen no, no, no mobility as of late. Now, through his last two weeks, he's been the best quarterback. He didn't play week one. He's been the best quarterback grading-wise, according to Pro Football Focus. But now you're priced up to a point where you're more expensive than Cardell Jones, who Yes, he had a bad week last week, but should be in a game that sees more plays. Tampa Bay actually runs a lot of plays on offense, where once again, New York has for three straight weeks run the least plays that specific week, adding up to them running just the slowest um, plays in pace team on the entire slate. So you're going to have a little bit less efficiency with his number one option and one of the best options in the XFL gone. You have Trey McBride, who is probable for this game, but was concussed and also is battling a thigh injury. Um, So that's not great for your number one weapon who only ran 11 routes last week. Yes, he went off, but it was just 11 routes. I don't know if he'll be a full go. We can talk about that at wide receiver. Uh, so the price increase, the weapons that are a little bit shaky in the slow-paced game relative to the other quarterbacks on the slate where Landry Jones is going to be in by far the best-paced environment game and the highest scoring by about 10 points on this slate right now. Uh, if I just go back and, and look at some of the totals, you have right now the implied total for LA at 23.25, um, but the game total for that game, since New York is so slow, is 39.5. The game total for Dallas and Houston, depending on where you look, is above 50 everywhere. 10 more projected points. So yes, Landry Jones, who's in the offense that throws the most in the entire league at 40.5 pass attempts per game, even more than Houston, who only throws 35 times per game. I'm actually going to prefer him, who's less. And then I'll also take Cardell Jones, who's playing in a faster pace game and likely lower owned. So Josh Johnson is just going to be getting the short end of the stick for me. Probably not going to get there. I do like Landry Jones, like I just mentioned, 40.5 pass attempts per game. This highest just overall paced game, highest overall spot on the entire slate for points and upside and a defense that in Houston is still solid. They're, they're still a sound defense by it without any questions. I mean, if you're just looking at their overall defense on the entire season, you're getting Houston as the number one defense in the league, very close to the St. Louis Battlehawks right now. Depending on where you look, they're a little bit worse when it comes to run blocking and tackling. They rank third, a little bit worse. Um, but when it comes to sort of coverage, they, they rank a little bit higher second pressure. They rank third. So they're really a top three team in a lot of defensive aspects. But some of that goes out the door just when you play faster paced teams. Some of that went out the door last week, like you saw, because it's been a small sample size. Taylor Cornelius is an intriguing option, but also a risky option. Clinton Flowers is not going to be playing this weekend. It's a personal matter. There's really no um, declaring why they might be trading him. Maybe he just wants to play more. I don't know, but that's a Russian quarterback who's been on the field and and attempting about 20 to 25% of the passes on the field about that amount of times, a little bit more because of his rushing upside. So that's great. Taylor Cornelius was great last week with Quinn Flowers playing a good amount. But you also have Aaron Murray, who's a full participant. And yes, Aaron Murray is not going to start. But if Taylor Cornelius struggles against D.C. and say they're down by two scores at halftime, I'm not too sure they don't just throw Aaron Murray back in there. So that's the only concern here. Cornelius now doesn't have to deal with Quinn Flowers and his rushing upside and him stealing touchdown drives away from him on the ground with his legs, especially in the red zone. But now we might have to deal with if he struggles, you go to Aaron Murray. The upside when it comes to GPPs is that if the player is struggling, you're probably not going to win a tournament anyways. So you might as well just play him in GPPs and really not lean on him as much in cash. Cardo Jones, uh, 9,900. He's just a guy that is going to be steady and consistent. Last week, I believe, is going to be the worst that you see out of him. Play action, deep passing, all those have been there. Um, the problem is last week, he was the worst graded quarterback like we touched on on Tuesday's show. But I'm not going to kind of take that and just run with it as much. He's facing a team that is bottom three in the league in coverage. An overall defense of the second worst team in the league. And then when you factor in the fact that they can't tackle the worst ranked tackle team in the second worst pressure unit, it's going to be a little bit better than what you got last year out of an LA team 
that ranks number one in coverage. That's overall defense ranks number four compared to Tampa's who ranks number seven. So it's just a lot better of a matchup for Jones this week. Maybe they got a little bit hit on the chin after being high on their horse potentially. It was just an overall terrible performance from a DC team last week that I don't think is going to be the norm moving forward. And finally, the $12,000 Philip Walker is not an auto lock by any means, but he's also not somebody that you can just say he's $12,000. I can't play him. It depends on what you're doing with the rest of your salary. There are some savers at running back, although not appealing options. There are some savers at wide receiver, although not that of appealing options. So it makes more sense to save at quarterback. Um, these guys that I've listed here are currently in the tiers. There's going to be one other player listed in the tiers as of right now. So you can go ahead on Patreon if you want to see exactly where they rank out, where I rank them compared to each other, tiered rankings. You can check that out over on Patreon, linked down below. There's also PGA and NBA content that I produce and also create over there as well. But Philip Walker, $12,000 is not out of play. Again, he's in the game that has over 10 more points implied than any other team on the slate. He's on the team themselves that has the highest total on the slate at 25.75. Now, Dallas on the other side of this has a 24.75 total. So it's only one point higher than Landry Jones, who ends up being $2,000 less, but Walker has more mobile, mobile upside. Walker attempts way more deep passes and is accurate on those deep passes than a guy like Landry Jones. Um, And you get a better matchup overall for Walker. Dallas ranks seventh in coverage, fifth in pressure so far this season. And overall on defense, they rank fifth. Whereas I talked about it, Houston is the number one ranked defense um, and Landry Jones not throwing as much downfield. So there's, there's upsides and downsides. Walker is your most consistent body here. If you want 20 to 24 points secured in with the upside of what you saw from week one and, and last week of 30 to 40 fantasy points, that's Walker for you. But Landry Jones has consistency to him as well. He is just also a guy who can fold under pressure. He's a guy in college who threw a ton of interceptions. And we saw two of them last week. He just happened to throw so many times that they didn't matter as much. So Walker, Cardell Jones, Landry Jones are interesting and appealing to me. Taylor Cornelius is also appealing to me, more so in GPPs, whereas in cash, it's more of a risk because of Aaron Murray being there. The reason it's not as much a risk in GPPs is if he's playing well, he's going to stay into the games. If he's not playing well, there's a good chance that he can get pulled from this game, and you don't want that in your cash lineups. Moving over to the running backs page now. So the running backs page, I've gotten this down to six players that I think are in play this week, which might help people when they're building lineups. Um, And and it's interesting. So running back injuries, I guess we can touch on. Josh Johnson was the only quarterback listed questionable. He has been listed questionable the last two weeks and has played. Running back injuries. Matt Jones, as of right now, has not practiced this week, and he is officially listed questionable with his knee injury that has been a while now elijah hood was not on the injury report and then i believe he just ended up popping up on the injury report he didn't practice or play at all last week so elijah hood seems to be questionable this week is what they're saying although still not on the injury report so kind of faulty reporting by the xfl there they've been consistent but not a hundred percent or at least okay but not a hundred percent better than i guess you can say the nba and the WNBA, but still not all the way there So the thing that's really interesting for LA is, look, they have Carter, who was really good last week, two touchdowns, played 60% of the snaps like we talked about on the the, uh, uh, Patreon usage podcast on Tuesday. He looked pretty good, but now he's doubtful. I took him out of the player pool. So you have Carter doubtful. You have Elijah Hood questionable. That leaves Larry Rose and Juwan Harris. And Larry Rose has played ahead of Juwan Harris. Larry Rose is probable this week after popping up on the injury report with a foot injury. And Larry Rose is somebody who catches the ball at just 3,500. I think he is the main and only punt option if Elijah Hood is out. Now, if Elijah Hood is in, you can also tell me that, okay, maybe Elijah Hood only plays 50% of the snaps and they give Rose 35 and Juwan Harris 15, and then Rose is still in play, but it's just not as appealing at that point. So Keep an eye on Elijah Hood's status. He was pretty much deemed an inactive out of nowhere right before the game started last week. So if you're playing this weekend, 
wait literally five to 10 minutes before the games now because this LA team was not reporting their injuries based on uh, that. It was nice that we got the Nelson Spruce injury though really early in the week, but Saeed Blacknall scratched right before, Trey McBride an active right before, and then Elijah Hood a little bit before that was deemed out. So a lot of moving pieces. So that is the main injury news. Jarrell Presley should be playing this week. Um, he is limited in practice. It has not yet come out if he's going to be probable because that's the Sunday game, but limited with a shoulder in practice. And then after that, D'Angelo Henderson, the running back for Houston, at this point in the week has still not practiced, has missed the last two games with a shoulder injury. Andre Williams is well limited with a wrist injury, but he has played through that. So at the running back positions, we touched on it on the Tuesday show, and I'm really just going to cut it down to, okay, you have Larry Rose in there, right? But then primarily just looking at Dallas and St. Louis. Um, these are teams that, one, St. Louis runs the most in the league around 60% of the time. That's obnoxious, right? Um, but they're running 60% of the time. And they're facing a team now where they should have a good amount of success. Seattle ranks sixth overall in defense and sixth in rush defense. So that should help them. That should benefit them, especially when you factor in that Seattle's run blocking unit is around um, right now in the league, the number two team in run blocking. So that's also I'm um, going to help our St. Louis overall number two team in run blocking. So that's also going to help them as a rushing offense. So when you factor in how they block compared to how efficient they are, not great. They're the second worst team in the league in efficiency. So I've talked about that now through three to four weeks of the XFL. St. Louis is running the ball a ton. They're just not good at it, but they're good enough to win games, if that makes sense. Um, they're not really throwing deep. They're not using as much play action. They're just running the ball a ton and they're getting by. I think they're sort of a fraudulent team, but they've already won enough games and there's already enough really bad teams in the league that I think they'll probably make the playoffs. 60% rush offense. He has the most touches in the league. Matt Jones at 52. I think 7,100 is fine because you're going to get 15 touches if he's healthy. Um, and that actually matters when there's touchdown upside like you saw last week involved in the week before in a 25-yard touchdown reception. It still is expensive though. And then Christine Michael, who if Matt Jones was to once again now listed, has not practiced this week unless he's questionable or going to potentially be listed questionable. If he's out, well then Christine Michael steps in at 5,700. I still like Michael over Jones, but I think both are in play. They've both, both just been very ineffective. They're both not running a ton of routes, and they both seem to be extremely game flow dependent. Lucky for them, though, this game should feature an instance where they are very much needed as 12-point favorites. The biggest, biggest favorites I think we've seen in the XFL so far this year, week one, Dallas was 10-point favorites and actually lost to, I believe, St. Louis. But now you have St. Louis' 12-point favorites over Seattle. Yes, the running backs are clearly going to be in play at that big of favorites, and that is why I don't have interest in Jordan Tayamu. I really don't know if he throws more than 22 times yet again. Not throwing downfield. Don't like it. Now you get into the Dallas side of things where these running backs are just used in the most ideal way possible. You have a great game environment here where they are currently just one-point underdogs, so that's all great. So they're going to be passing the ball a ton in this offense because that's what they want to do. You might get Cameron Shard and Payne and Lance Dunbar seeing themselves each anywhere from six to 10 carries. But the upside is that you have right now 23 routes run per game for Cameron Shard and Payne. Out of all the running backs, that's number one in the league. He's playing a lot of snaps, three quarters of the snaps so far this season. He's facing an NOK third-ranked Houston run defense, but nothing of eliteness. He has a number three run blocking offensive line. It's a fast-paced game. He's just involved in the passing game way too much to ignore at $8,000. Right now, I do think he's a good option. And Lance Dunbar at 6,700, not as involved in the running game, but number one in the slot routes run for a running back, number three overall in routes run. And last week, we finally got to see no um, Marquise Young and no Austin Walter in the backfield. Week one, those guys combined for 29 snaps. Last week, four, or, or week two, four. Last week, zero. It led to Lance Dunbar playing 61% of the snaps, him lining up in the slot about five or six times. He was on the field a good amount with Cameron Sarn and Payne. 
The Dallas running backs I do think are appealing right now. The St. Louis running backs I do think are appealing. I talked about Larry Rose. And then I think Donnell Pumphrey is at least interesting. Um, you do have right now on the injury report, Jarrell Presley. We'll see how that plays out. But Pumphrey seems to be the guy who is locked into 50% of the snaps. And then there's an upside there. And you factor in that he's also one of the four or five running backs in the XFL that has an elite passing game usage in terms of routes run. He's number two in slot routes run for a running back as well. Let's move over to the wide receiver page now. So the wide receiver page, starting with the injury news here, you have Nelson Spruce out. I've taken him out of this sheet. I've taken him out of my rankings, of course. So Nelson Spruce is out. You have Trey McBride, who has a thigh and a concussion that he's working through, but he's listed as probable. So that's good. Again, he only ran 11 routes last week. He was not on pace to run that much more. He was on pace to play about 16 routes run somewhere around there. It was about the midway through the third quarter when he gets hurt and he had 11 routes run. So he's going to run around 16 routes. That would have been third or fourth on the team. So not great, but now you have another week of recovery hopefully after getting a new injury but looks like he should be the number one outside receiver I believe that you'll get Whitfield um, Levante Winfield in the slot he's been number two behind Nelson Spruce in slot routes run you can see I added him to the wide receiver interest currently have 19 wide receivers that I think are in play Um, I'm going to be ranking these guys I'll rank a little bit more for GPPs on Patreon the tiers will probably have a similar amount of these guys maybe only like 16 15 guys for cash options but right now, Levante Winfield is in play, at least looking like an interest of mine. You can see at 3,800, he's number two on the team behind Spruce and slot routes. If he steps into this offense led by Josh Johnson, who has looked at the slot a good amount, um, that provides upside at a below 4K price tag. But the problem is there's like four or five guys below 4K that you can play this week that have, I would say, similar shaky upside. So the rest of the injuries for wide receiver, Kaysom Williams has not played the first three weeks for Seattle, listed week one as the starter on the depth chart. He's out now for a fourth straight week. You have then Cam Phillips, who popped up on the injury report after not being popped up on the injury report all week, pops up on Thursday night with an ankle injury, did not practice. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens today, Friday. Um, This happened last week with Sammy Watkins and Phillips as well, and then they just practiced on Friday and we're good to go. So I'm expecting that. But if you see for some reason he's ruled out or questionable, keep a close tag on it. If he's ruled out, well, then you get more upside in Sammy Coates, a lot of upside in and Sam Mobley playing as outside receivers. Josh Crockett for Dallas has also popped up out of nowhere with a did not practice because of illness on the injury report. Uh, he is the outside deep threat option for Dallas. They don't really throw deep. So he's in play. You can see that I have him at 3,600 right next to Whitfield as a guy who's in play more so for GPPs. And then lastly, Donald Palmer, if you want to consider him a wide receiver, I will because he's been in the slot a ton, has been limited all week with a hand injury. I expect him to go. We'll see if he practices in full on Friday, but either way, I'm expecting him to go. So main injury news to watch is right now, Donald Parm, obviously Cam Phillips, because he was a DNP. I'll probably, I'll highlight right now, Cam Phillips. Um, and then after that, you can look at Joshua Crockett, who was a DNP as well. So these are the guys that as of Thursday had not practiced for their team. Uh, if they've already been ruled out, I've taken them out. So starting at the top of Cam Phillips. Yeah. If, as long as he's playing and he's healthy at 11,700, I like him. I had the question last week, Cam Phillips or Phil Walker. My answer based on the tiers, if you looked at them, Phil Walker was our number one player in the tiers. Cam Phillips, I believe, was number one in the tiers as well. So that was my answer. Play both of them. This week, it's not that easy. Now, I think you can clearly play both and it looks good, but I prefer Cam Phillips to getting to Philip Walker, mainly because he's a wide receiver who has easier paths to scoring, right? One point for 10 yards. The bonus for him is a lot easier than 300 yards, it seems, so far in this league. And he's got his quarterback has eyes for him, whereas um, if you have a game where it's, it's 250 yards and two touchdowns, uh, for a guy like Philip Walker and Phillips has 90 in a touchdown of that, he's going to benefit Philip Walker at his price tag probably doesn't if that makes sense. So then Cam Phillips, 11,700, uh, really not much to say there. Seven total touchdowns, 2.95 yards per route run at this point, 68 more receiving yards than anybody else in the XFL. Donald Parm got a huge price bump. He's probably, I don't know, $1,000 too expensive in my opinion for where they bumped him. 
but it's also a situation where if you have the money left over, if you're, say, fading Cam Phillips, he's in the best game environment and an offense that wants to throw the ball really the most in the league, even more than uh, what Houston is doing right now based on the plays that Dallas is getting off and how quickly they play. So Parm is a guy who's getting targets downfield. He's a guy who Landry Jones is just having eyes for at this point. You see him over the last two weeks. He's number two in the league in targets since Landry Jones took over. Number three in the entire XFL with 24 through the three weeks. A 2.85 yards per route run is elite. I mean, I just talked about Cam Phillips being 2.95. Donald Parham right now in the XFL for players that have seen, um, and, and I'm just pulling it up right now, yards per route run for players that have seen at least, we'll just go with at least 10 targets as a barrier. Donald Parham currently is number three behind only Cam Phillips and only Nelson Spruce with a uh, currently 2.36 yards per route run uh, through three weeks. In the last two weeks, it's been 2.85 since his quarterback has been there. So strong spot for him in a good environment. Eli Rogers has just been very sneaky, sneakily consistent at this point. Eli Rogers is a guy who so far this year, um, if you're just looking at if you're just looking at just usage, 99% of the snaps last week, even in a game that blew out, he still was a team leader in targets with seven. That's all fantastic. You obviously really like to see that. You get Eli Rogers consistently being this number one weapon in this offense. And now the issue is there's just so many guys in this offense that stand out. And another issue is that his yards per route run is not elite because a lot of his targets out of the slot are not downfield. 1.41 yards per route run this season is not great. The 97 total routes run, which is currently 19 more than anybody else in the team ahead of Rashad Ross um, by 19. He has 78 Rashad Ross. That's really good to see too. So $9,200 for Eli Rogers, I think is an appropriate price tag for a guy who's just going to be running 33 to 35 routes a week in an offense that is also going to throw about 55% of the time. Khalil Lewis is in play, but similar to where I've had him in the past couple of weeks is just sort of a teaser. I haven't had him ranked as high in the rankings because of his price point. He's in play because of how good this game environment is. All the receivers are, especially in this offense. But he's $8,900 for a role that's a little bit better than Nick Holly's. But like I said last week, not that much different than Nick Holly's. You're playing out of the slot for all of your snaps. Nick Holly's running more routes. Khalil Lewis's downside down the field upside is a little bit better because he's a bigger bodied receiver than Khalil Holly, but it's not by much. So at 8,900, he's not a standout. He's more of a GPP play. Rashad Ross so far this season has ran 78 routes. He has a 2.18 yards per route run. He leads the XFL with nine deep targets. He had four more last week in week three, just couldn't really convert all that much. Deep targets are targets of 20 plus yards. Rashad Ross is a GPP mainly target for me. Trey McBride is one of the more interesting and appealing options on this slate. No Nelson Spruce, McBride went for 5, 109, and 2 on 6 targets last week on only 11 routes run. 11 routes run, and he saw 6 targets. There was no Saeed Blacknell. He was pretty much a healthy scratch. Um, and now there's no... And now there's no Nelson Spruce. He had the blowout kind of skewing the results for some other players, but he obviously got hurt in this game, Trey McBride. So that also skewed his ending results and how many routes he would have run. He had four deep targets, very similar to Rashad Ross, which led the week three in the XFL. Trey McBride is at $8,100, um, probably going to be highly owned, and it is a scary spot against a slow-paced team, um, but the upsides are that Nelson Spruce is there. The downsides is that his price point is now up. People are going to own him at an exceptionally high rate to where he's not even worth it, even if he was to produce an okay game, and then also the downsides are that maybe he's still hurt and he only runs 20 routes and not a full complement of 30 routes run. I think he's in play for GPPs. I think he's in play for cash, but um, because of some of the question marks around him, I will be ranking him a little bit lower than some other guys. Jeff Bidet at 8,100, a similar price tag. I think he'll go lower owned because of his past week of a dud. It's a good game environment. He's clearly not the top option in this offense. The running backs in Donald Parm seem like that, but just based on how many plays they get off, how many times they pass, he should be focused in for at least a five to six target week, week in and week out. 
Dan Williams, 100% of the snaps last week, hard to ignore him. They did sign Santavius Jones back to the roster, but Dan Williams should still be fine with a lot of routes. Um, number two in the league in routes run at 112. It's a tight core of receivers for the most part between Tolliver, Williams, and Horn in the slot. DC ranks average in coverage. I think Dan Williams at 7,800 is, is in play. Jalen Tolliver, I think, is really, really in play on the opposite side of it. 100% of the snaps, he has a favorable price point at 6,000. 46 routes run and 12 targets last week. He's number one in the XFL in routes run with 113, and he's number four with targets at 23. And for him, it really doesn't matter if it's Taylor Cornelius or if it's Aaron Murray coming in. Both of those guys uh, will be fine. That's the other upside for these receivers is that Quentin Flowers not being in there means that those, I don't know, 10 snaps that Quentin Flowers plays, if he's only going to throw on five of them and run on five of them, He's going to throw terribly on five of them, and he's going to run, so that takes away from the upside of the receivers. It should be more pass attempts now towards these guys. Jordan Smallwood is the second guy I'd get to in L.A. after Trey McBride because of the injury news of a guy like Nelson Spruce. So a lot of people automatically came in, and and I heard people saying, oh, Adonis Jennings and, and Jordan Smallwood and Trey McBride season. Here's the thing. Yes, those guys should be seeing more targets now. It might be Trey McBride season regardless of if Nelson Spruce was in or out. You saw that last week. But very similar to what I talk about in my NFL DFS course, you can check that out if you want. If you want $100 off that, you can leave a comment down below and I can get you a code for it. But very similar to what happens there is um, you have a situation where Nelson Spruce played in the slot on like 95% of his snaps. Whitfield should be the guy to fill in into the slot, maybe a little bit of Adonis Jennings, but you're going to get the biggest opportunity change for Whitfield. He's going to be playing more snaps now, especially in the slot. The opportunity for Trey McBride is still going to be on the outside. He's not going to see more routes run or snaps because Spruce is out. He's going to get his on the outside. Same thing for Jordan Smallwood. The only difference they'll see is a volume change. Maybe they each see one or two more targets. But it's not going to be the opportunity change. And when on the, and like in the NFL, you want to focus on opportunity change. Too many people go, oh, Nelson Spruce was the number one receiver in the slot. Now, automatically, the number one receiver is going to be on the outside and Jordan Smallwood. That's not how it works. He's still running his routes on the outside. He is not automatically the skill level of Nelson Spruce now. Where was the successful piece? In the slot for LA. That's now where Whitfield is going to be. That's not me saying that the skill level is the same now, but it's just where the opportunity gap is going to be filled in for. So don't get carried away by playing Jordan Smallwood or Trey McBride only because Nelson Spruce is out. They might see one or two more targets because of that, um, but it's not going to be them seeing seven, eight more targets. They already have their opportunities. They're already running routes out there. Alonzo Russell is the only thing from St. Louis's passing he might touch, and even at 5,800, he's not that great. He is seeing a lot of air yards, though, so I'll mention that one. Should be in line for four to five targets and a lot of air yards behind those. DeAndre Tompkins, Malachi Dupree should be back, but it seems like Malachi Dupree is pretty fixated as the number four wide receiver on this team. That does issues, um, create some issues for just rotations of wide receivers when Tompkins last week um, ended up running, I believe, 30 routes after running uh, 26 routes in week two. Tompkins ended up running 29 rounds last week, but Dupree was out, so they really didn't use another wide receiver. Tyler Polka ran six routes, but you did have Malachi Dupree uh, in week two. Even though he took a huge step back, he still did run 12 routes, so those probably come off of Tolliver, maybe Rashad Ross, um, or those probably come off of Tompkins, maybe Rashad Ross, but at 5,200, Tompkins is still in a really good price spot. Reese Horn out of the slot played 85% of the snaps for Tampa Bay. They used a three wide receiver core, like I said. Horn, Tolliver, and Dan Williams all in play for me. I, I really like all of them. They're just going to have a lot of usage. They're going to be in a situation where they have to pass the ball a lot. And now you take out Quinn Flowers, who is not a good passer. And you have either if it's Aaron Murray for maybe a quarter if the game gets out of hand, or if it's Taylor Cornelius for the whole game, you have just more higher quality passing options uh, and passers from this game. 
Flynn Nagel and Nick Colley and Levante Woodfield, these guys all in a row after this are very similar to me. I like Flynn Nagel the most because I think his offense is just the best suited for his skill set. Nick Colley's is very consistent for five to six targets and three to four receptions for 30 yards or so. And if you get a touchdown, it banks, but that's for anybody you can say that for. So Nick Colley, I'm not going to be on high as as I usually am. The outside receivers, namely Cam Phillips, are the guys who really stand out from this team. Um, in Houston. I think you could also make a case for Sam Mobley, who actually played over 50% of the snaps ahead of Sammy Coates last week. I don't know if he's locked into 50% of the snaps, but you're probably getting a floor of 40 snaps with the upside of 60 to 65 snaps. And if for some reason Cam Phillips is out, then he would be like a main target for me this week. So Sam Mobley right now does stand out as a guy who's uh, cheap this week as a GPP flyer. Same things can be said for Josh Crockett, like we touched on. Alonzo Moore did play 79% of the snaps for Seattle, but still was third on the team with 26 routes run. He's a flat minimum uh, dart throw. Adonis Jennings is a flat minimum dart throw that should see a little bit of a bump in usage overall um, with Nelson Spruce being out. I'll, I'll pull up the exact slot usage so far for this LA team on the season. Um, and then you can kind of see where Nelson Spruce is going to come in because of that. So on the season so far, you have 90 um, or you have 80.4% of Nelson Spruce snaps coming out of the slot. That's 82 routes from. You have 33 is number two on the team in snaps out of the slot. That's Kermit Woodfield, who we've been talking about. He's ran 97.1 of his snaps out of the slot. He only runs out of the slot. I imagine he's going to remain running out of the slot. I think you'll have on the outsides Jordan Smallwood, who has not yet played a slot route. Trey McBride, who did play three of his 11 routes out of the slot last week on the outside with Woodfield in the slot. And then I think you get Adonis Jennings rotating in. And Donis Jennings has played 21 uh, snaps out of the slot, third on the team, 25.3% uh, of his overall snaps. So I think Jordan Smallwood is going to be fixated on the outside. So really not that big of a change for him since he hasn't been doing all that great as an outside receiver. I think McBride primarily stays on the outside. And then Adonis Jennings will rotate in um, for both Smallwood and McBride and then also in the slot and then primarily Whitfield in the slot. So that's where I'm at right now. Side Blackman was a healthy scratch last week, so that's a little bit concerning. Um, I guess I should point out that Matt McGlynn was hurt. I, this kind of just went over my head. He's hurt. He's out. He's not playing. They have not yet named the starter. I don't really have interest either way. The offense is so bad. I'm not going to chase $3,300 Austin Duke, who only ran 13 routes last week, even though he had a connection with Luis Perez, who was very good in college. Six targets on his 13 routes, very similar to Trey McBride's usage in terms of how you were targeted for the limited routes you ran. I'm not going to chase that at 3,300 for a guy who literally played as the backup slot receiver and blowout run last week. So Luis Perez is interesting, I guess, if he does draw the start because he was so flashy in college. But the problem for him is, look, he, he's 7,100. Just give me Taylor Cornelius, who we've seen actually have some success in the XFL, whereas Luis Perez is going into the worst offense, worst coaching staff, it seems, in the XFL right now. So that's where I'm at. I'll finish by leaving it on the injury dashboard and the Vegas odds. If you want to take a screenshot or something, appreciate you all tuning into this video. Please do check out my Patreon exclusive content. If you're interested, it's where I, it's, it's a spot as an independent content creator where I make about a third of my income. If you want to support me over there? A lot of um, good information. A lot of people have been successful through the XFL. People have asked me currently, I've profited uh, five figures in the XFL. Week one and week three were big weeks. Week two was a small loss um, because of a, a late Jordan Tamu touchdown outdueling out Philip Walker. I've pretty much played Philip Walker, my primary lineup for the first three lineups uh, for the first three weeks. We'll see what happens this week. But thanks for tuning in. Hit the subscribe button before you go on all your platforms. Leave a five-star rating review on the podcast and hit that notification bell on YouTube. And finally, superdraft.io. Check them out. You can follow the link down below in the description, or if you just want to go to superdraft.io, use the promo code SAL and you'll get 10 free dollars to use. Thank you so much for tuning into this video. Appreciate all of you. Peace out.
gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoy this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.